listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Makers Mark. This is the first episode in about a little bit over a week. I, I finally went on vacation last week, took a little bit of a break. You guys knew. Um, that's also why I wasn't very active on Twitter last week, which is unlike, you know, I would not unlike, unusual of me, I should say. But all was well back home, excited to talk about the Saints. And there is a lot of talk about it because this Wednesday afternoon, I should say, they came out and named pretty much the majority, or I should say the big positions of their staff who will be filling those roles under Dennis Allen. So we're going to talk about all that and talk about the co-defensive coordinators because I'm a little bit surprised at the the overall reaction to it. Uh, not saying people have to fall in love with that idea, but it is pretty negative, overwhelmingly negative, I should say, on Twitter. So I'm going to kind of share my thoughts on that. So if you're feeling pretty negative and you need some optimism i'll probably give you that but i'm not going to be a blind faith type of optimism guy i'll tell you what i do and don't like so far about the coaching staff and kind of the way the saints have approached this offseason but let's just jump right into it let's kind of lay down the groundwork and then we'll start digging and talking about it so the saints come out like i said they announced that Pete carmichael's the oc nothing new to that that was actually announced last week um turned out i was eating dinner come back to the hotel check my phone. I see everything's blown up. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I checked. Turns out Pete Carmichael got the job. And I kind of thought to myself, this was probably the most bland name to kind of hire as OC because you talk about meeting with the uh, wide receiver coach of the Cowboys. Talk about meeting with the running back coach of the Colts. Jay Gruden's name was thrown in there, which I guess for some people, they were thrilled. It wasn't Jay Gruden because Jay Gruden was mentioned. and I saw Twitter was not happy about that. Then they circle back, they go to Pete Carmichael. And we're going to see, man, because I think you can make an argument that, hey, with Pete Carmichael, at least you know what the offense might look like. And on the flip side, you could say maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. You could say the Saints offense needed some new elements. They needed to kind of freshen it up. And maybe this doesn't do that. I will give Pete Carmichael a chance. That being said, what I'm going to talk about later is kind of going to dictate everything for me as to how I'm going to feel about this Saints coaching staff. But for now, they went with the safe hire. It was a little shocking because, you know, so many people were talking about Pete Carmichael not being the OC, but he comes back and he is the OC. Now, he, there are some new names to the staff, and one of them is a familiar face. The other one is actually just brand new altogether, and that is exciting. So the familiar face who is technically a new addition to the staff, Doug Marone, he's going to coach the offensive line. So I'll say this about Doug Marone. Great head coach? Absolutely not. Great offensive mind? I don't know, man. The, the league has changed. But he can coach offensive line, and I do think, considering he's just a position coach, I think there is value to this. I think the knock would be stop recycling through Sean Payton's guys, right? Make it original. And that's what I've seen on Twitter, and that's what people will continue to complain about. And at some level, I promise you guys, I do get it. But I think this offensive line group needed a new coach. I thought they needed to kind of get back to what they've been, which is a dominant O-line for years, right? The great, the 09 Saints, the 2011 Saints, even the 2018 Saints, like you got to get back to that. And maybe Doug Marone's the guy, maybe not, but I do like that they made a change there and I will give Marone a shot. Now, if it doesn't work out next season, all right, let's reassess this thing and talk about how we get Doug Marone on the first flight out of New Orleans. But for now, I'm okay with the move. The other name, Cody Burns, wide receiver coach, you can make a really, really, really strong argument that the Saints didn't need a, a new wide receiver coach. 
I, I think you can really make that argument and you could say that the Saints were a little bit unfair when they decided to make a change and get rid of Curtis Johnson because what the hell was Curtis Johnson working with this past season? Whether it was guys like Lil Jordan Humphrey or Kenny Stills or even just having Marquez Calloway and Traquan and Deontay just basically be your top three guys, not a lot to work with. But they make the change and they go for Cody Burns. And Cody Burns is kind of, I would say, the one guy on this offensive staff who we don't really know what we're going to get. And while that may be a little scary, I think that's also kind of exciting, right? A lot of history in terms of experience at the collegiate level, Arkansas State, coached at Auburn, coached at Sanford, coached at Middle Tennessee, coached at Tennessee. That was his last stop as the wide receivers coach. So I think this is an interesting hire. He does have some ties to one particular uh, prospect that I like, which is Vilas Jones from Tennessee. He's a wide receiver. He, he drawed a lot of attention uh, at the Senior Bowl. And I saw a lot of people when I tweeted that were like, hey, Chris, I, I searched up Vilas Jones' numbers and I didn't like his numbers. And I think what people have to stop doing is searching up players' numbers at the collegiate level and thinking that automatically equates to NFL success or if they weren't that successful in college, that, equ- that means they're not going to be successful in the NFL. There's so many factors, right? And for Vilas's case, you start at USC and it didn't work out. So Jones moved to Tennessee. And after he moved to Tennessee... First year wasn't great. Second year, which is his first year under coach Cody Burns, had over 600 yards, had a touchdown, had, uh, uh, you know, had, in my opinion, played pretty well. So I think that for, for Jones, if you look at the growth he had from USC to Tennessee, specifically for receiving, I think it's impressive. So you take his years at USC, and he was there for four years. He had 347 yards, right? His first year under Cody Burns, 807 yards. And I have to throw in there that Tennessee's a school that the last couple of years are finding themselves at the quarterback position. So there isn't that much there in terms of having a great quarterback at Tennessee. And that's something that I thought hurt Marquez Callaway coming out of college because Callaway ended up being an undrafted guy that I think if he had a better quarterback, he might have been drafted. And we know the Saints go to the Tennessee well. They've done it with Callaway. They've done it with Kamara. I'm just saying... If Jones is on the Saints at the end of this year's draft, I would not be surprised. He's not going to cost you day one pick. He might not even cost you a day two pick. He could be an early day three guy that the Saints add to their team, and you give Cody Burns a player who I can work with him because I have worked with him, and that is something that I think the Saints can do. And by the way, for the record, I think the Saints should double up on receivers, and I will probably beat this drum every single episode I have on this podcast until the draft. And after the draft is over, if it doesn't happen, I'll probably still be beating that drum. But I think that it's something the Saints should consider. Maybe an early guy in day one or day two, and then come back around, take a viewless Jones in day three. I think that would be pretty good. So when you add a guy like Cody Burns, you can't help but wonder, hey, what about the ties there to him? How does that work out? So that's the offensive staff. Let's switch it over to the defensive staff. That's kind of the, the main topic for this episode, the co-defensive coordinators. So the Saints went out, interviewed a couple of you know, I would, I should say, well, these are in-house guys. So I say out of house candidates. And then they finally came back, went with Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard as co-defense coordinators. And you think that people will be happy, right? Chris Richard, really good defensive coach. And that is why the Colts looked at him. The Steelers looked at him. The Ravens looked at him. So he was drawing interest for defensive coordinator spots elsewhere in the league. Saints bring him back. Ryan Nielsen's been drawing co- uh, collegiate level interest for the last two years. LSU wanted him as defense coordinator. I believe uh, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic came out 
on Wednesday said, hey, Nielsen had interest from college teams, decided to stay with the Saints. So the Saints keep those two coaches. They're going to stay in their roles of defensive line coach for Nielsen, secondary coach for Richard, and then they add the title of co-defensive coordinator to each. That really bothered a lot of people. Why do we need co-defensive coordinators? This is stupid. I don't know if this is going to work. And like, it might not work. It might not. And I think when this move was announced, in my head, because I'm obsessed with that show, I started thinking of the co-managers in the office with Michael Scott and Jim Halpert and kind of thinking of the day-to-day stuff and the big picture stuff and judging your employees by beans. And I can just picture Kevin just screaming, what does a bean mean? And I can just think of it. But in all seriousness, I'm okay with this. Now, I think that Nick Underhill said it best, right? So I'll, for, for people who didn't hear it, this is what Nick basically had to say really quick. Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard are basically going to maintain their responsibilities from last season while having a bigger role in game planning. And Allen, Dennis Allen, gets the last say in terms of what they're doing. And that is no different from what Sean Payton's done on the offensive side of the football, and that's no different from guys like uh, any offensive coach. For example, we talked about uh, Mike McDaniel going to the Dolphins, right? And he had a big part in their run game. At the end of the day, who was still calling the shots? It was still Kyle Shanahan, but you have a lot of offensive minds. You got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And I think that a lot of people are worried about that, but I think you should look at it as the other way. I think you should look at it as the Saints were able to retain two good coaches that had interest from other teams. And I think when you're able to do that, especially with two coaches who had really, 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 really nice success this past season, I think that's a good thing. Now, could this blow up in their face? Absolutely, because... Dennis Allen's the head coach now, right? So you're entering kind of a world of unknown. While they can tell me and feed me this continuity stuff, you don't know till you know. And while it sounds great, the Saints can go into this all into the next season, excuse me, and it could not work. Like it could just blow up in Dennis Allen's face. He might not be able to handle that role, and it could all go to hell. But right now, February 23rd, as I'm recording this, and you'll probably listen February 24th, I think that it's okay. Like I, I think it is totally okay to go with co-defensive coordinators and figure it out. And I know you don't need two popes. You don't need two presidents. I get that. I totally get that. But this is different. It's not the same thing like it is in the office. And I think it's going to be very interesting if Nielsen's controlling the defensive line and Richard's coaching the secondary up. This is how, if you're going to keep a defense from last year that was really good and kind of replicate it, this is probably the formula. So overall, I'm seeing a lot of negativity, a lot of complaints. And I think some of the complaints about this coaching staff that they're putting together is warranted, but I don't think this is one of them because I'm happy that Ryan Nielsen's back. I'm happy Chris Richard's back. And I think for the Saints, their defensive players should be thrilled because there's going to be really no turnover on that side of the football. And if there was one saving grace from this last uh, this past season, it was the defense. Now, I'm going to be fair. I'm not going to sit here and just rah-rah about, you know, optimism and why I think this is going to work because I don't know if this is going to work. And I still think that this Saints team in terms of roster has a lot more holes than people want to say. I think quarterback's an issue, wide receiver's an issue. I think running back's a very sneaky issue. Offensive tackle's an issue. Right guard is one huge issue. And yeah, I think that this is a team that needs a lot of work. But this isn't a team that is in a rebuilding phase like let's say a Jaguars or even a Chicago Bears or even a New York Giants. And what that means is I can be really nice today. I can say a lot of positive things today in February. The Saints aren't getting results in September, October, November, December. I'm going to be harsh, and I will be critical. 
Because I think for the Saints, the one thing you're selling to your fans, if you're sticking with Dennis Allen and sticking with Pete Carmichael and sticking with Ryan Nielsen and sticking with Chris Richard, you're selling me on keeping the band back together. So if you're going to keep the band back together, the band's got to still produce hits. Because some songs that were great back then don't sound so great right now. And I think for the Saints, you can bring back all these coaches if it equals 5-12, and 6-11, whatever. I don't want to hear it, you know? That's how I look at it. So while I sit here today and tell you that I am happy that Ryan Nielsen's back and I'm happy that Chris Richard's back, and I am, you got to produce in the fall. And obviously, this is is so far away, and we don't even know what the roster's going to look like, but that's kind of where I'm at today with this Saints coaching staff. Would I have liked for them to go out of the box? Yeah, I I really would have because I thought that this team just seemed a little too content. On the defensive side, I'm okay with them being content. Offensive side, I thought they should shake it up a little bit more. But you know what? If you want to sell me on Pete Carmichael running things without Sean Payton being the czar who overlooks everything, all right, let's do this thing. But let's see how Cody Burns does. Let's see how Doug Marone does. Can they add more elements to an offense that needs that? They need to get back to running the football. They need to get back to protecting the quarterback. And they need to get back to moving the football through the air, which is something they haven't been doing. And they they haven't done that the last couple years now. So I'm not just harping on the 2021 team. They need to get there. Okay? And... Before I wrap it up, because I'm not done yet, there's three things that I'm going to say predictions that I will make towards the end. What I want to see from this Saints team is going out there and addressing the lack of playmakers. Because you look around the league, I think the teams that did really well in the playoffs this year, you looked at their offenses, and my God, they got playmakers. So the Rams make, make and win the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup. You had Robert Woods, he goes down. You add Odell Beckham. You have Van Jefferson. And obviously, at, at running back, whether it's Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers, they do have options. Maybe they're not great, but they have options, right? But I looked at a team that had Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Robert Woods, and they said, we're going to go out and get Odell Beckham. And, I, and look, the Saints might have been able to get Odell Beckham had they had a better quarterback situation, but it wasn't the right time, so I'll give that one to the side. How about the Bengals? Man, they need offensive line help. Like, let's not beat around that bush, but... Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, T.J. Uzama, Joe Mixon. I mean, you go around, those are five really, really good weapons. Really good. And when I look at the Saints, I got Alvin Kamara, who's probably going to get suspended knowing how the NFL works. And obviously, his case isn't great either. He did admit to, to punching the guy. And then Michael Thomas, who I'm, I'm thrilled that he's supposed to be back. But what is he going to look like? I don't know. You don't know. So I think for the Saints, you look around the league, you need playmakers. Think about the AFC runner-ups. Chiefs, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Edwards Alaire, Daryl Williams, Derek Gore. Think about McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. They have guys and they have the lower tier guys. 49ers, Ayuk's great. Debo Samuel was one of the 10 best players in the NFL this past season. George Kittle's great. Jawan Jennings is a solid player. Elijah Mitchell, rookie running back. From Louisiana, he's a good player. So the Saints got to go into this offseason and they got to stop acting like they don't have a skill position problem because they got one and it's one of the worst problems in the NFL. And for years, I'm sure Sean Payton thought he could scheme around it. And sometimes he did. And I think that's where sometimes your brilliance does hurt you because sometimes you don't really see the problem that's staring you right in front of the face. So my biggest issue is not that the Saints have gotten safe with the coaching staff. And I don't even really have a big issue. What I will have is a huge issue come April if this team 
looks the same from a skill position standpoint. And adding one player does not change things. Would I be thrilled if the Saints drafted a Drake London or a Chris Olave or Jameson Williams? Yeah, I'd be ecstatic. You guys know how I feel about players like that. But that's not enough. One receiver and hoping Michael Thomas could turn back into Offensive Player of the Year Michael Thomas isn't enough because that's wishful thinking and a little bit of uh, you know pacifying your, your fan base. And that's not fair. What this team needs is possibly a tight end. And for those who follow me on Twitter, you know that I listed a couple. And I didn't even list the high-end guys like Dalton Schultz and Mike Kosicki. If they're out of your price range, that's fine. You could always find something in a bargain bin. An O.J. Howard, a David Njoku. Those are pretty good options. I think those are guys who might thrive. And if you're going to bring back Jameis Winston, O.J. Howard's the guy he's played with. O.J. Howard's best years actually have come with Jameis Winston. So all of a sudden, maybe that fixes your tight end issue. O.J. Howard, Adam Troutman, and Nick Vanette doesn't sound that bad. It really doesn't. So that is something you consider. Adding another wide receiver in the in free agency, that is something you should consider. And if you can and you just go tight end, adding two wide receivers in the draft, something you should absolutely consider. Because you look around the league and you're looking at all these really, really good wide receivers. All of them are like second and third year guys that are getting drafted that the Saints could have taken. They just decided not to. And some of it, we justified, including myself, justified taking Cesar Ruiz because, man, they needed interior offensive linemen. But you look back and you see T. Higgins and you see Michael Pittman getting drafted after him. And you're like, man, Saints could use one of those boys on their team. So I'm looking at this team and I am not worried yet because it's just February about what this coaching staff is going to do in September. And while I do think they played it safe and I do think that you can question how the process went because they went through all this and then they just stuck with what they know. My biggest concern is what does the roster look like in the positions that you've neglected for the last couple of years? And if they look the same, I'm going to join. I'll join you in complaining. But for now, I got to sit back and I got to see the results. And I got to see what happens there. And then I could kind of take that next step in terms of joining the fun in terms of the, the pity party or misery party, I should say, going on. Because, man, I don't know about you guys. You guys know I love Saints Twitter. But the last couple of days, Saints Twitter has been negative as hell. I mean, I go on. And my God, if it's not one person saying they're going to go six and 11, it's one dude saying they're going five and 12. And if one, one dude's not saying they're going five and 12, they're saying they're definitely going to be in last place in the NFC South, which by the way, have you seen the NFC South? The Saints go last place in the NFC South. They'll be having a top five pick next year. So that's where the bar would be set for people who are super pessimistic right now in February. This is the time to kind of sit back and let's kind of see what happens. But before I go, I did promise I'd make three predictions or kind of three gut feelings that I would kind of release to you guys. And my first one's the quarterback position, right? What the hell are the Saints going to do at quarterback position? Well, here what I, here's what I think they won't do. I don't think they'll get a big name. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to go anywhere. He'll probably go on Pat McAfee's show, talk about Joe Rogan a little bit, talk about Shailene Woodley a little bit. And at the end of the day, he's going to sit back and know that his best bet is staying in Green Bay so he can make the playoffs one more year and then get bounced in his first playoff game. So that's what's going to happen. Russell Wilson... Russell Wilson can list teams and flirt about where he might go, but still sleeping in the same bed in Seattle. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Russell Wilson. I don't think he comes to the Saints. Derek Carr doesn't sound like he's coming. And for the Saints, I don't know if Derek Carr is the guy that they would go after, but nonetheless, I really don't think he gets traded. I think he gets an extension from the Raiders. That would cross off number three. Jimmy Garoppolo, I just mentioned his name and about five of you just threw a TV remote. So let's just kind of get through, uh, get through this one, excuse me. I don't think the Saints need to trade a second or third round pick for a guy who they can just sign a free agency a la Jameis Winston or Teddy Bridgewater to kind of do the same thing, which is manage the game. So that's what I feel about that. So that gets me to my final point for the quarterback spot. 
I think it will be Jameis Winston slash Teddy Bridgewater. One of those two, my lean would be towards Jameis Winston and or drafting quarterback. That's how I feel about the Saints. If the Saints feel like Jameis can legit be the dude, then they probably sign Jameis and don't draft a quarterback early. If they don't feel like Jameis is the dude for the future, but they feel like Jameis can be a really, really good placeholder, Jameis would probably get signed, in my opinion, to come back. A pretty good deal in terms of what he would get for this year in terms of money. Probably looking at least $20 million. That's kind of the quarterback market in today's age, if not minimum 18. And I think that they would draft the guy if they don't feel like he is the future. But I do think that a lot of signs are kind of pointing towards them bringing back Jameis because you're bringing back coaches. You're bringing back coaches who are familiar with who? Jameis Winston. All the quarterbacks who would seem like a really good splash and would be an improvement over Jameis Winston, like Derek Carr, like Russell Wilson, like Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they're going to get traded. So then you fall back on Jameis Winston. And I think at the end of the day, you think of Jameis, you think of Teddy Bridgewater. I think Jameis is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. That's why I would lean towards that. And then the drafting part. How do you feel about Jameis Winston? Do you feel like he can be your future quarterback? Then you probably don't go first-round pick on a quarterback. But if you're not sure about it, and Malik Willis is slipping around the 10 range, and you want to trade up, that's a guy who, by the way, has a history with Cody Burns, the new wide receivers coach of the Saints. They were both together at Auburn before Malik Willis went to Liberty. Or Kenny Pickett's at 18. You think maybe Kenny Pickett could be the guy. Kenny Pickett has experience. I could see that scenario. But that's my first thing in terms of gut feeling where I'm at right now. Second thing, I would think that the Saints bring back Marcus Williams. I think that the Saints have put a lot into this defense in terms of resources and coaching and adding playmakers that I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to, to hire Dennis Allen, keep Chris Richard, and then all of a sudden Marcus Williams is gone. For me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, it could happen because as you get closer to free agency, you get closer to a bidding war breaking out for Marcus Williams because, man, the guy's freaking good. So we'll see what happens. But I think that Marcus Williams, if, if you told me, hey, make a prediction, I would think he comes back. But again, we'll see if things change. But that's how I feel about it. I think when you re, when you put so many resources into the defense and you're kind of picking, hey, do you want Marcus? Do you want Tron uh, Armstead? You could pick one. I kind of think Marcus Williams makes a little bit more sense. But things could change. I could be wrong. And we'll find out uh, later this month. Actually, next month, I should say, in March. And my third thing, and this again, gut feeling, the Saints will draft an Alabama player, at least one of them. That doesn't mean Jameson uh, Williams. Doesn't mean John Mechie, but I think when you get a Doug Marone who's coming now from Alabama, you're going to have a guy who's going to have an inside track about how these guys operate. And the Saints are all about a couple of things. They're all about work ethic. They're all about having the right professional approach. They're also about coming from those type of schools, those blue chip schools, where you feel like you know what to expect when they get to the NFL level. And in terms of Alabama, you want defensive linemen? They got that. Do you want receivers? They got that. Do you want O-line? They technically got that, but realistically, you're not getting your hands on Evan Neal because Evan Neal, in my opinion, might be a top three pick, might be the first pick in the draft. So I think for the Saints, whether it's a guy like uh, a Jameson Williams, a guy like a John Mechie, or even a guy like Fadarian Math uh, Mathis, I think they might be looking at Alabama players. And I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of where they go at some point in the draft. So those are three gut feelings that I felt before I sign off here. But I appreciate you guys listening to this episode of Straight Up Saints. It was great to be back and talk about this team, no matter how frustrating they might be. Uh, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. How do you feel about this co-defensive coordinator thing? you think it's going to work out? Do you think it's going to blow up in their face? Who knows? As long as they don't start uh, doing this whole Michael Scott, Jim Halper thing, it should be pretty fine, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, how you feel about the offensive staff, the way it's come together, and kind of your off-season prediction. Like I said, I kind of think we're entering that period where the Saints are going to have a mid-tier quarterback because that's just kind of the way the, the, the NFL is working right now. I think a lot of talk has been made about big trades, but when it's time to get the big trades done, 
going to really happen. So we'll see what happens, guys. But I appreciate you tuning in. I wish you all the best as you get through the rest of this week. And if anything breaks, of course, now that I'm back, I'll have an emergency podcast for you guys. But it seems like we might have a quiet thing, which means I just jinxed it. Expect something terrible to happen uh, for this team. But all jokes aside, guys, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you have a great weekend. Let me know what you think about the Saints' recent moves. I'll be back next week to talk about this team on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.